welcome, Susan. And uh, not that you need to welcome, you're at your home church. But we just want to welcome you to this platform and, and to share the word. Who's ready to hear the word today? Come on. Susan, over to you. Thank you. Oh, wow. What an awesome uh, worship. And what an awesome um, communion. It just actually just paved the way beautifully for what I'm going to speak. And um, speaking out um, during the worship, the words that were spoken, um, that our Jesus is with us through every valley. The Lord is with us. He never leaves us. And so, um, yeah, so first of all, I just want to actually honour Kent and Pania. And I just, I just am so thankful to God that he is, um, that God has chosen them, that he placed it on Jack and Sari's heart that they are to lead this next stage of the great outpouring. And I just honour them for taking up that mantle. And um, thank you that they did. <laughs> and I love what they carry. And I also want to honour Jack and Sari as well, because they, they took up a mantle. They took up that huge challenge to even, to even start this. So um, I just really respect those, these two couples and, and what they carry. And we are, we are mightily... Blessed. This is an amazing house. This is an amazing house. So first of all, I will read something and then we will pray. Arise. God wants us to arise. Arise and shine. Isaiah 61. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. His glory is risen on us. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the deep darkness the people. But the, war, the Lord will arise over you. He will arise over you and me. And his glory will be seen upon you, upon us. His glory, his manifesting presence will be seen upon us. Because you see in Philippians 2.15, you will shine as children of God in this, in this perverse generation. And I, it's, yeah. <laughs> perverse generation. <laughs> so I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you, God, for the opportunity to share this word today. Father, to um, just sow in some kingdom, some kingdom principles of how we can operate and defend ourselves and stand in this time. And Father, I just pray that you're with everybody here, that your protective covering is over them as they um, go through some maybe turmoil inside them as I speak. God, that you will bring revelation, that you will bring divine protection over them. And because your plan, God, always is through Jesus to set us free, that we are set free to worship you in spirit and in truth and with a good life. So I pray this blessing upon us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See, a few years ago, I watched a movie, and it was called Whistleblower. And it was about um, an American woman from Nebraska, USA, who went to work in the UN, in, um, for the UN, sorry, in post-war Bosnia. And while she was there, she uncovered some terrible sex trafficking ring that was actually being run by the UN there, the people there. And she had to um, escape back to England, to England rather than America, and expose this huge scandal. And her life was at risk. But it was so sad, the very people that were there to, to, do, to protect were actually doing horrific things. 
So I remember, I remember saying to God, God, why? Why has this happened? Why is this, you know, this, the world is so dark and the enemy tends to hide things, doesn't he, under a cover. And we, we, we live our lives and everything's just normally rosy. But, um, but that's deep darkness. And now that deep darkness has actually come to the surface. It's actually been exposed. The enemy is no longer afraid to expose his tactics, his, his plans, you know, to disrupt this world. But our God is greater. That enemy is defeated. So I asked God, I actually said, please, can you send your son now? You know, this world is so bad. It just broke my heart to see, see young people being trafficked, you know, trafficked like that and held prisoner like that. And God said an interesting thing back. He said, my bride, my people aren't ready through no fault of their own. They do not know how to stand in the evil day. And it sort of sent me on a pathway of actually equipping people to be able to stand in this evil day. See, I grew up in a, a cult church, and we um, basically, the, the pastor, the minister, the head minister, everything was said through him, done through him. He had all the authority. We just, and we were kept quite isolated. We just um, prayed and paid was really what we did, <laughs> so that he could keep doing what he was doing. And there was a lot of good in that church, but it was still a cult. And now I lose track of what I'm saying. Oh, but um, for me, we knew nothing about how the enemy operated. We knew nothing about his tactics. We actually were told, and poor old David, when he came into it, he actually, not poor old, sweet young David, because <laughs> he was young then, you see, we were told that, the, that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's about all we ever got, and that you had to burn all your Beatles music. So, <laughs> so David burnt quite a few of his good stuff, you know. It was quite sad, really. So anyway, but you see, in Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And I realized what... What God wants us to know is knowledge, knowledge about who we are. And that communion was great because it actually covered something that's really important because in 1 Corinthians 11.30 it says, For this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. And that is Jesus talking about, um, pretty sure it was Jesus, talking about taking the communion, that taking it in an unworthy manner. It may not have been Jesus who said that actually. Paul, thank you. Thank you. I knew it wasn't Jesus. <laughs> Taking an unworthy manner. And sometimes we can take things, as this says, in an unworthy manner, but not meaning that we're not worthy. It's just that we didn't know what we were really doing, what we were really taking, and the significance of it. So what was spoken this morning, um, Catherine actually nicked a few of my <laughs> scriptures. But the mystery of Jesus in us and God in us, the kingdom of God in us, it's a mystery. God wants us to activate what he has given us. No, it's not to sit dormant. But what it was in the church I was in, it sat dormant. And it wasn't activated. I didn't know how to activate it. I had no idea. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had no idea what the Holy Spirit really, how it really worked in my life. I knew I was slightly wacky. 
because I had some really weird giftings. Like I'd know things and I'm like, dead tell the church because I think, I don't know, they would have thought I was demon possessed. But what it was, was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so anyway, so what I'm gonna come to now is something that I just, I counsel a lot of people in the, in the church, out of the church, counsel people and at the very crux of a lot of the counseling that I do is trauma. So today I'm going to, and I'm saying it early because I know some people will listen so far and then go, don't want to hear anymore, that's enough, I'm a bit like that. <laughs> so we're going to talk about trauma today and also I'm going to talk about your giftings because that's what we're talking about is giftings. And what I'm going to talk about is how the enemy comes in and how he infiltrates your life. Because so many people are walking not in victory. And God wants you to walk in victory and he wants you to walk in freedom. And there is one thing about that I think is vitally important about being in a, a church that you feel is right for you is that there is a covering over you. For me, there is a covering over me. And I had it with Jack and Sari and when I first came to this church with my giftings, God could release my giftings higher because I had people that understood when the enemy was infiltrating. And Sari would often sit me down and go, <coughs> this isn't right. And I, and, and I was at a state, place where I would receive because the knowledge and the wisdom and the, and the integrity, everything was all new to me, but these are people that know. And I'm so thankful that, that Kent and Pania carry that same mantle but we are under protection because of them. And I have been able to grow because of that and understand about how the enemy operates. I mean, you know, we've got feisty women here that stand up and fight, because I'm a woman, so I'm following their lead a bit, you know, and Jack too. <laughs> and Kent. Yeah. <laughs> Another sip of this, hold on. It's coffee, keeps me oiled. So I want you to know that you've got the authority to fight this enemy. Okay, so in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And it's good to know that because when he attacks, these scriptures, you've got to stand on it. Nope, he can't hurt me. Nope, you can't hurt me. Back off. You know, and I speak to that enemy. I tell him, you know, it says, often it refers to Satan in the Bible as the devil or an enemy or Satan. So I might use those three different terms. And Jesus came, in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he says, now we go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Mark 16, 15 to 18, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. That's us. And in my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, they will cast out demons. So it's okay that we do this because we might have to do some of this today. You know, we're gonna have a prayer team up at the end because when I talk about trauma, all of us have been affected by trauma somewhere in our lives. 
They will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents and they will drink anything deadly and it will by no means hurt them and they will lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. Now, I was in a church where I wasn't taught these things. I wasn't taught about how to fight, how to stand against the enemy. The enemy just could do what he liked. When we were first married, I already had a little boy when David married me, Braden. But then we, well, we didn't try to have babies. We just kept accidentally getting pregnant. <laughs> so in our first year of marriage, I was pregnant twice, but I lost those babies from, for different reasons. And then we had to wait a year, and then I conceived again, and we, we miscarried that one as well. But the thing is, I did not know how to stand and speak the word of God over these pregnancies. And that's a, that, I know they're in heaven, so that is, that's my hope I set before me. But the, the tragedy is, for me, is that I could have done something about it. I could have, exa- I could have actually implemented speaking the word of God, which is, which is a two-edged sword. It, you know, it's a, it, it does something. I could have rebuked that enemy and commanded him off the, what, my womb and my child. I could have done so much, and I was so vulnerable because I knew none of that, and the enemy could enter whether it's a generational curse or something that was over me that the enemy could come in. I was just vulnerable and I didn't know how to stand. So I wasn't taught these things. And in Matthew 23, 13, it says, but woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. I feel like that was the church I was in. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So today I'm opening up the kingdom of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father to you today, so you can enter in yourselves, that you can enter in, that you can change some of the things that have held you captive so that you can be set free. Because you have, remember, all power and all authority through Jesus Christ who did this for you, who actually paved the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He made the way for us to stand in victory so that we can arise, that we can stand up. We can do all and stand. Oh, we'll fight up. And <laughs> the interesting thing is in Acts 14.22, it says we must through many, tribu- through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Ooh, I don't like tribulations. I don't like trials and difficulties. But now, I've been through so many, it doesn't bother me. Because you see, when I'm in a trial, God wants you to activate something. Before I used to pray, God, make my babies okay. Or God, make this better. God, do something. And I had the faith. I remember praying for one of the babies, the third one. And the doctor had gone away and said, well, things aren't looking good. He was a specialist. And I came back, and I was so sure in my heart that he was going to see that heartbeat. The baby was fine. He had the tissues ready. The shock to me was profound because I had the faith. And God knew that. I had the faith, but that baby was dead. And I remember going back to my in-law's house because no one was home and they lived near the hospital, got on my knees, and boy, did I tell God off. I was so angry. I was so upset because, you see, I had the faith. And he let me down then. But he's brought me to a place where now I am passionate that people know how to stand. Passionate that people know how to move in the Holy Spirit. 
passionate that they have this relationship with God that is healthy and whole. Because we are that new creation that Catherine is talking about. We are a new creation. You are not just human. You are part divine. Just as Jesus was human and divine, you are human and divine. You are different than other people. A Christian, we're not weak. God has amazing things for us to do. We can, I had this vision with Jesus. He took me up. I knew it was Jesus, and it was an open vision. I was like, woohoo, this is really happening. And he whipped me up into the heavens, and we came to this room. I won't explain quite how some of the things went, but after we left the room, he held my hand, and I went to walk through the door. So you've got a door here. I held his hand, and what he did was, as I went to move through the door, he didn't. He kept me where I went half through the door and half through the wall. And I believe it was significantly saying, we are in a time where we might be human, but we're going to walk through walls. We're going to walk through things that are supernatural. God is going to use you to do divine things for him. This is not an ordinary time. There is deep darkness over the earth. God is going to use you in a miraculous way. And you've got to expect it and be excited about it. You know? I just wish I had my, my Superman t-shirt on because you know what? That's what it is. Yeah. To other people, we just look like normal human beings. I remember going to Joe's once, and Joe was trying to talk to someone, I won't say their name, and they dealt in white witchcraft about receiving Jesus. And I came in waiting for my, I think, my haircut, And I could see, because I see in the supernatural realm, that's my gifting. And I could see some witches through the window. I'm like, oh, there's some witches there. And I was talking, and she's, this is what she does. She deals with, move, well, did deal with all these things, with witchcraft and things. And I said, oh, there's witches out there. I'll tell them to go. What she saw was that a Christian was more powerful than the realm she was in. And she gave her heart to Jesus. Because you see, they had this feeling that Christians are weak but you're not. You're full of authority. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the, the backing of the whole of God's kingdom behind you. Because Jesus says in Luke uh, 22, 28 to 29, I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me. And the kingdom of God, where is it? The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor they say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Man, kingdom of God? That's not normal, is it? Kingdom of God, that's miraculous and that's divine. And it's a mystery in Colossians 1, 26 to 27. says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, those that don't know Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are one with Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and they are in us, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Okay, I've got a little clip here. Van Almighty Morgan Freeman is speaking, if we can do that. I love this. I'll step out of the way so you can see. 
Oh, excuse me. Can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Thank you. Excuse me. Are you all right? Yeah. No. It's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? Have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah and the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the ark? Well, I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. They stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays with patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? Well, I got a run. A lot of people to serve. Enjoy. So this is really our walk. That we have need of things. But we've got to go through a journey to actually grow what it is that we need. When I met David, he lived in Christchurch and I was in Whangarei. We met at a summer camp serving. Great great way to meet your future husband or wife. Serve the Lord. But we were separated for about a year. And we only saw each other about three times. We had one phone call once a week because phone calls were so expensive and I had to wait till after 10 o'clock at night when they were cheap. (laughs) And we had one letter, which I've saved. And did I learn patience? I tell God all the time, I've learned that, I don't need to learn it anymore. (laughs) I did that, that's it, that patience, I learned it. No, don't, don't put me through that one again. It was well worth it. But you see, that is our walk. Because in Romans 8, 28, 29, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are being conformed to be like him and to walk like him. We are being changed. It's a pretty exciting thing. In 1 Peter 5, 6-11, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You see, there is no difference between the world, people who don't know Jesus, and us. We are all going to go through the same stuff. The difference is that we have Jesus walking with us. 
that we already have victory, that we have a hope that is set before us. We have faith. We can do this because Jesus is with us and that whatever we face, we know that he's going to bring it to good. He's going to take our, our, our sadness, our, our terrible situations, the ashes, and he's going to make us beautiful. And in that, we then share our experience with other, our testimonies of our good God. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, establish, ah, suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. It's a process. We suffer a while, we perfect, we establish, we are strengthened, and then he settles us. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Right, so I'm going to get, first of all, I'm going to talk about how the enemy infiltrates our giftings. So this is where being in the right church is real handy, because you can really run amok. If you've got giftings, to start with, I think just one of the big things for me was just simply hearing God, the gift of hearing God. Boy, did the enemy have a field day with that. Because you see, all I wanted to do was obey God. I was just wanting to obey him so much. I would do whatever he said. You say it, I'll do it. But the enemy can sound just like God. And I didn't know, have any idea about discerning. None whatsoever. So he's tried to control me with eating. And I mean, I always want the perfect figure. Don't we, Sari? Don't we, girls? <laughs> yeah, us girls. And, and even though my figure actually was a heck of a lot better then, I don't know what I was on about. But anyway, I would go to the fridge, open the fridge, and I would hear, no, don't, and go to get something, then I'd get, don't eat that now. And I'd think, oh, okay, right. Okay, God, that's good. Shut the door, I'm not going to eat that, thank you. But it became, then I realized, mm, I don't think that's God. But then he tried something else. And I'm serving dinner. And it was a curry. And then he put in my head, well, that's actually, you know, he, you know, he just kept using different ways, because I don't want to really say what it was, because it sounds terrible, but <laughs> curry in a white bowl. But anyway, um, he was then starting to use different ways to manipulate me. And then one time he even said, no, don't wash your hair. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a bit weird. Don't wash my hair. Okay, God, I won't wash my hair. And I'm thinking he's trying to have me humble. Well, I remember going to church and I hadn't washed my hair for probably a week. And I'm like, God, this is a really difficult test you're testing me on. But it wasn't God at all. It was the enemy. So you see, you've got to discern and it's okay if you're discerning and you get it wrong. It's better to get it wrong than follow Satan. It's better to go, God, I'm not sure if that's you or him, so I'm actually going to sit that one on the, on the, over here. And if it is from you, then you'll remind me later. You know, I had to learn to discern his voice. And I think that's where a lot of people become, can actually get really wacky. And I would have got, I was obviously getting really wacky. Did you notice, David, that I was getting wacky? <laughs> I think the kids did, but maybe not David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had to learn to discern his voice. Then praying for healing. Now this is one that I'm actually going to share with you because, and I'm not going to share a whole lot, I'm just sharing the hearing and the healing to start because of the time. Because um, with the healing, you can get to a level where God will actually have you walk through something. That we are expecting our instant healing 
and people pray for you and can expect, are expecting that too. But sometimes God's going, you have such a level of faith, I want you to walk through this journey. Because I um, was working at a cafe and I nearly cut my fingers off. I slipped on glass because it was um, with a bakery. And so there's really slippery floors. And I was carrying four glasses from the back to the front, trying to do my young thing, you know, learn how to be a cafe barista with young people. And I was older. (laughs) And I slipped, and the glass just about took off two fingers. The thing is that my girlfriend, my best friend, the day before, she had actually got a, a voice from God saying to her, Susan's going to have an operation, and you're going to help her with her housework. Well, she thought it was for my hip. So she didn't even say anything. So anyway, and that to me is God knew this was going to happen and he didn't stop it. But from this, there has been people, a taxi driver had to take me to the hospital um, a few times a week to have um, therapy. And that taxi driver gave, him and his family gave their hearts to Jesus. So what is more important? I'm already saved. I'm already, my faith is like, you can do whatever, and it's just going to change me. Well, then God can use me. So sometimes we're in situations. So when we pray for people, it's really, really important when you pray for healing. Um, I know some, you know, there was a time when I was also, um, and we all have good intentions, so I've probably done the same to someone else as well. So it's, it's a learning curve, but... Um, I had cancer on my eyelid, and I was prayed for, and someone said, well, you don't need to go for the biopsy. And because my, my youngest son, you know, he, um, I just felt, look, let's just do the biopsy, because cause I didn't care either way. I mean, I know where I'm going, so it didn't worry me. And, but for him, it would have been really stressful if it had been something that I'd let go. So I just, I had the biopsy, but the interest, and it was cancer, shock, horror, cancer. But I think I was more worried about them cutting it all and resorting it out, making me look all right. But um, the thing was that there was a friend of my daughter's who went through the same operation, the same cancer, but his was worse. And I was able to pray about it, speak into it, and let him know that you're going to be okay, that everything's going to be fine, that's the best surgeon you could possibly, everything. And, And let him know that also that I'm praying for him so God used an opportunity. So we don't know why sometimes we go through something, but I like to turn everything for good. And God will use it. And I don't go, why God, why me? I just know, and know that I know that I know that God is going to use my situation for good. So I'm just saying, where you have giftings, God wants to increase them. He wants to accelerate it. But you need to know that, you need to understand and see how the enemy works around it. So I have a life group, Holy Spirit life group. <laughs> and I know Pania has a group that is really amazing with dealing with this stuff as well, if there's any other groups. And you have a gifting that you want to learn more about, your gifting, well, get involved because its safety is really important. God couldn't use me if I was wacky, especially because I deal with the demonic realm. I see the demonic realm. Um, Sarah and I, we bless houses. So we have to deal with this realm all the time. So we have to have a level of safety and protection around us. And the important thing is, even with any of your giftings, preach the gospel. That is your top priority with all things. So often I go to pray for someone, like maybe a broken arm. I remember praying for a guy with a broken arm up here once. I went up to pray for him, 
And he, um, I went to pray for the broken arm and God, I, he just stops me. And he, God went directly to his heart and spoke into his heart. And I got a vision of him in his pickup truck thing, not pickup truck, ute. And I said, hey, God said, I don't know what thoughts you were thinking, but you need to stop. You need to stop right where you are. Just move over to the curb and you need to spend time with God. Don't do whatever's coming into your head. Well, it turns out he was wanting to drive off something and kill himself. So God might have had a broken arm, but God went to his heart. So us sharing the love of God into someone is more important than anything, and we can all do that. Whether you have no giftings, you can do that. So next, because I'm... Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about, what's the demonic realm, because there are so many of us that are feeling like you've carried heavy burdens for so many years, you've prayed, you feel like you've, you've, you've asked God, I need this fixed, and you, know, you might have depression or, or anxiety or worry, you might have anorexia, obesity, you might have all sorts of a myriad of different health issues and problems, and actually, where it's come in from needs to be dealt with. And I know I suffered from, I've suffered from trauma. So, trauma is a sudden shock. It's where even COVID and the cyclone has been trauma for so many, especially the young. The cyclone for just so many. And the reason why I started talking about trauma was because of the cyclone when it rains, and I was preaching over at a GLOW last week, a women's conference, and they said that it was raining and so many are getting anxious and full of anxiety because it's just because it's raining. So there's natural disasters. There's death of a loved one, sudden deaths. I know someone that um, had a sudden death in their family and they witnessed it and they were only young and they basically stayed at, their, at this place emotionally from when it happened. Accidents, um, car accidents, again, where people are just overwhelmed by grief and are still like 20, 30 years later, still overwhelmed with grief. You see, grief can be, there is a grief that comes, but when a grief comes I know we lost our little dog, and I know it seems nothing compared to what other people face. Charlie. Oh, shut up. Charlie. Little Charlie. He died kind of suddenly. I know, but it's the only way I can explain this. But the grief that we experienced as a family was traumatic. The grief was just overwhelming. We all sobbed. We were, we were, it was the worst ever for us. But what happened was that on top of the grief came more grief. And grief is disabling. So there is a grief that you have, but the enemy comes in with more grief, where it's overwhelming, where you cannot function, you cannot operate, all you want to do is cry, and it keeps hitting you. That is not a God. And how I had to deal with that was that I had to remember all the good things all the time. I had to actually not come in agreement with that grief. So it's wherever the enemy can find a foothold, he takes it. Bullying, poverty can be a grief. I know someone that had grew up with poverty and they're hoarders, horrific hoarders. I, it wasn't, I did have a little bit of poverty, kind of. <laughs> My kids will all say I'm a hoarder. But anyway, <sighs> thank you, sorry. So hoarding, you know, infidelity and divorce, it can be, that is a massive shock, massive shock. Being adopted, 
um, having an abortion, repetitive abuse, loss of a job. You know, you just walk in there one day and they tell you your job's gone, your livelihood's gone. A serious health diagnosis. Did I say miscarriage? Miscarriage. Um, hurtful words spoken over you. They're shocks, even a shock of something you've seen. I remember seeing Jaws as a kid. I was a really good swimmer, loved the sea and everything. Jaws, well, every time I go, and even now, I go over my head, it's and I'm looking around. And I mean, seriously. So, you know, shocks. The enemy knows how to infiltrate those shocks. And he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. So there's a lot here today that are dealing with the after effects. So there's a cause and there's an, an after effect. And what happens is the enemy comes in on trauma. So how do I know? Because I see it. One time David and I were traveling to Taupo and this um, big, huge truck semi-trailer jackknifed on the road. And we had just coming past as they were taking the kids out. So it must have been the father driving with a couple of kids. Their bodies were contorted like this, literally stuck like that. And people getting them out with their arms still stuck like this. And what I saw in the, in the spirit realm was demons. And they were like hungry sharks. So trauma to them is like blood to sharks. And they're about to enter into these children. And so I just, because I was right there, God moment, I took authority. I commanded those demons, they were forbidden to enter in, they were forbidden to enter in or operate, and I commanded them to, to leave and go back into darkness, and I blessed the children with, you know, the peace, and that they would, you know, um, recuperate well. And those demons went nuts. It was like, how can you do this? But look, I have authority, so I just took it. So the thing is that the enemy thrives on trauma, because it's... It happens so often, they just have a field day of entering people. I had a spider when I was little. Um, I was staying at my auntie's place, it was in the bush, and we had our cousins there, all boy cousins, and I must have been about eight or something. And I went to have a bath, and there was this big spider. Well, to me, it was like this, so I guess it was only like this. Because <laughs> to me, it was like this. And I screamed, and I ran out to the lounge going, there's a spider on me. And my parent, my father promptly took all my clothes off looking for the spider in front of the boys, so it was double shock. <laughs> and couldn't find the spider. Well, when David married me, he had no idea about my spider phobias, and, or fear. And anyway, we only just newly married, and kind of on our honeymoon, he had brought me a house, so we were, I was getting all the washing, and I went to put knickers on. But there's a spider. <laughs> I lost the plot completely. I am screaming. I'm stamping my feet. David comes running out. What's the matter? What's the matter? And I'm going, there's a spider in my knickers. And he's like, flippin' heck, what have I married? You know, she's a fruitcake. And the more he tried through my life to tell me, don't be afraid of spiders, I'd say, don't you tell me that I can't be afraid of spiders. You see, I claimed it as mine. And then one day the enemy, uh, a spider was there and I was about to do my whole thing and David would have to come and save me. And I heard Jesus beside me go, so where is that fear coming from? And I looked at the spider and I thought, hmm, it's not coming from the spider. And I realized that what it is is 
Okay, so demons, I believe, have paint gun machines. You know those where, you, where they shoot those things and put the paint splat over you? Except that what he does is that they're spirits. He's, so I imagine that he stands there with this, this paint thing machine. As soon as he sees me see a spider, he goes, da -da 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 -da, and he just plasts me with it, and I just receive it. So what I had to do was I had to go, okay, Satan, no. I see what you're doing, and I do not receive this in Jesus' name. And I said, sorry, God, that I claimed it as my own. I'm so sorry that I claimed it as my own. I took it as mine, and I'm sorry. And now I see where the fear's coming from, and I, I'm just so sorry, God. So I was turning away from the fear by saying that to God. It's simply as well declaring to Satan, you don't have a hold anymore. So then I put up my hand, I go, no, Satan, I do not receive you anymore. So I had to resist him. And I said, no, I don't receive you anymore. You have got to leave. And what happened, it was about three times. Each time I saw a spider, he would still try, but each time I'd do that, and it got less and less. To now, I'll see a white tail, and I go, ooh, I really need to kill that, and then I forget all about it. You know, so it, you, there is a way through trauma. Because the after effects of trauma are psychological and physical, where there's fear, anxiety, depression, worry, anger, hate, feeling out of control, emotional torment, anorexia, obesity, neglect, where you neglect your appearance, where you can't settle anywhere anymore. Some, maybe some, you can't you know, settle in a marriage or settle anywhere. You know, the enemy comes in in these ways. Where you have substance abuse, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. The, animal, the animal, animal, enemy comes in on these ways. But God, he has a way. Matthew 18, 18, assuredly, truthfully, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Life and death is in the tongue. You can bind it. You bind it up. I bind up that fear over me. You acknowledge where the, where the trauma came in. And, you just, and if you've been in agreement with say, oh man, God, I'm sorry, I agreed with that. Sometimes it's nothing to do with you, but it's been in there. And it's saying, Satan, or even to say, Satan, I'm just, I just don't accept you anymore. You've been in my life through trauma. Today's the day it ends. So I bind you up in the name of Jesus, and I send you back to darkness where you belong. You are forbidden to re-enter me. You are forbidden to enter into my life anymore. And then you've got to loose something. Loose from heaven. Let it come down. A blessing. I bless myself. You can prophesy over yourself. I am a child of God. My God has awesome plans for my life. Jesus, you did it all for me. I can walk in freedom. Satan, no longer, you no longer have a hold on my life. I'm set free. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Jesus, replace me with the identity and the, of who I'm supposed to be that I no longer are held captive to this bondage. No longer am I held captive to it. So you bless yourself. You need to bless yourself. I'm, I, and if you're praying for someone else, you say, I bless you. In Jesus' name, that you are no longer held in fear or you're no longer held in anxiety. You are replacing what the enemy has stolen. You are replacing it. You have peace in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you that. You preach a gospel to them. It's in Jesus. And every name will bow at the name of Jesus. The power of our Jesus. At the name of Jesus, Philippians 2, um, 10 to 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 
the Father. You know, the greatest gift that we have is love. And God wants us to know that we are loved. You are loved. He loves you. He loves you with a never-ending love. And he never changes. His love will not change for you. You'll fall down, he'll pick you up. Just run to him. He loves you and he wants you set free from where trauma trauma has entered your life and it's held you bondage. He wants you set free. Sometimes they're generational traumas. They're generational holds. I think um, Sarah talked about how we can break those curses off our lives. We don't have to live in a place where we think, well, I've always been here. God wants you to move forward. He wants you to have that incredible freedom. And I have a prayer I want to pray over you. First of all, a quote. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men or women to do nothing. Satan is not going to triumph. He can't. He's defeated foe. He is defeated. So I'm going to, as my ending prayer, Ephesians, I'll find it here. Ephesians uh, 1. I love reading this because it's really, it's a really powerful prayer. So funny, I used to think it was just mine, but then I shared it, then Sari had it too. (laughs) So it's for everybody. (laughs) Funny how you read a scripture and you think it's just mine, but it's not just mine. Before I read it, actually, there is another scripture because, which is really important. We are his fragrance. Now, this one I just found, so it is mine. <laughs> no, it's yours too. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his kingdom in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So in here and out there, we are the fragrance of Christ. Now, having done all, everybody, stand. Do it all and stand, knowing you have all of heaven behind you. So I'm going to read this prayer. Um, yeah, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give you thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. We are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all.
So I bless you today. Father, I thank you for the word. And I pray, Father, pour out your spirit, your glory, arise over these people, God, that they are set free to worship you in spirit and in truth, true freedom. Father, equip them with the tools to stand up against the enemy. Father, the, but to understand how much they are loved by you. And God, they already have the victory. So I just pray, God, seal this message in their hearts. And anyone watching online, God, just minister to them, minister to them, Holy Spirit. So we pray these blessings in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.